In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all those up through the 12th grade please come forward. Bump, 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 bump. Oh, you can sit here. Okay, there we go. Oh, what is? Oh, I like that. Oh, look, it's an airplane too. Say, have you ever? Hmm. You want a Dorito? What? You know what? Have you? Do you ever watch TV or look at the internet or look at magazines and say, "Oh, I want to be like that. I want to look just like that." And so you you try to get the shoes that they're wearing, and you try to look as pretty as they're wearing. You get your hair cut like they are, because I see. Uh huh. Yes. And, and so we, we try to look like other people because we're not happy with ourselves. But didn't God make us in his image, each and every one of us? Yeah, he did, didn't he? And so I think God wants us to be happy with the way he made us. We might not be like everybody else. We might look a little bit different. We might even act a little bit different, but God made us. And we have to, we have to respect that and, under, and try to understand what is, what is in God's mind that makes that happen? I'll tell you about somebody that maybe you don't know about. There was a man, you know who he is. There was a man a long time ago who had smallpox. That was a disease that was real common back then. And because of his smallpox, he had scars all over his face until the day he died. Scars all over his face. And some people say that he had wooden teeth that didn't fit right. So scars and wooden teeth. Do you, do you know who I'm talking about? You do? You know who I'm talking about? Who? You're going to let them guess. Okay. So, so let me give you another hint. There's a story that says this man couldn't tell a lie. There's a story about a cherry tree. When someone asked if, yes? Is it, it is George Washington. Uh, yeah, it is George Washington. Well, I don't know if he did or not, but there's a story about him chopping down a cherry tree, right? Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't chop it down. But the story is that he could not tell a lie, right? And so people trusted him. He, did, he had scars. He had wooden teeth. I mean, that's not what attracted people. He was the first president of the United States. Mm-hmm. He did. He did. But, but, the, but here's the thing. He did. He did. I, we hope that this is what God wanted. He did what God wanted him to do. He, he, he became president because people trusted him. We don't. So it's not just the way we look. It's the way we act. The way we behave. We don't tell lies. If mom and dad ask us, 
what happened here, you don't say, she did it. Or she did it, or he did it. Well, you don't, you can't, you don't have anybody to blame in your family, do you? The dog. You have a dog? Yeah. Okay. The dog did it. But, it, but, but tell the truth. Do what God wants us to do. Read the Bible. Tell the truth. And, and what you look like, you know what? Every one of you are so beautiful. You're so beautiful in, in my eyes, God's eyes, our eyes, your parents' eyes, your friends' eyes. We're all different, but you're all beautiful. You know that? Yeah. Okay. Thank you for coming up. If you want a packet, you can get one from Mr. Warner over there. You want to go get a coloring packet? Okay. One night, a uh, daughter brought her boyfriend home to meet the parents. And upon first sight, the parents were astounded and appalled by his appearance. Leather jacket, motorcycle, boots, tattoos, pierced nose, pierced tongue, pierced ears. At a discreet time, the parents, they pulled their daughter aside and said to her, Honey, we're not so sure about him. He doesn't seem very nice. And the love-stricken daughter replied, Please, Mom, if he wasn't nice, why would he be doing 500 hours of community service? (laughs) Don't judge by appearance. And I will confess to you, I've had my moments. I've been going through a lot lately. But I tell you what, I went to the Hokey Pokey Clinic and I just turned myself around. (laughs) Today, what I want to speak about is something very elementary and yet very essential for us Christians. I want to talk about a book that is owned by more people in America than any other single book. And of course, I'm talking about the Bible, right? But the question is, what do Bible owners really know about the Bible? 66% of Bible owners, some people say, they say there is no absolute truth. 63% of Bible owners cannot name the four Gospels. 58% cannot name half or more of the Ten Commandments. 58% don't know that Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, which is a part of our Gospel reading today. 39% don't know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. 30% don't know that there were 12 apostles. It's like the Sunday school teacher who was talking to a class of young boys and she said, who went into the lion's den and came out unhurt? And one little boy blurted out, Tarzan. (laughs) Many Bible owners today simply do not read 
the Bible. As you are aware, every week at this service, one of our scripture readings is from the book of Psalms, which is a wonderful Hebrew hymn book, a book of songs. In Psalm 119, a portion of which is our reading today, the first part, verses 1 through 8, is the longest psalm of all, with 176 verses, and the entire psalm is about one thing. It is about the word of God. The psalmist tells us in verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasures. He calls God's word a treasure chest filled with jewels of joy for the one who will take the time to mine its riches. And what I want you to see today in this psalm are three key reasons that will answer the question as to why we should study the Bible. The first reason why we should study the Bible is because we need the Bible to guide us. We need the Bible to guide us. Verse 105 of that psalm says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a lantern, a light to my path. God's word is a lamp and a light for our lives. You know, I've mentioned before that men wrote the Bible, indeed. But God is the one who authored the Bible. Second Peter 1.21 tells us, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the Bible's name actually means book of books? Because the Bible is actually 66 books in one. 66 love letters written to humanity, to all of us, to you, to me. And the diversity of the Bible is amazing. These 66 books were written in by 40 different authors living in several different countries in the nations of Palestine, Greece, Babylon, Rome, Asia Minor, and perhaps even Arabia. The Bible is written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. These 66 books were separated in time by 16 centuries, 1600 years. And yet the Bible tells the same story from beginning to end. Think about it. The Bible begins in a garden in paradise, and there we find the tree of life. The Bible ends in the book of Revelation, again in the paradise of God, where there is also the tree of life. The, in Genesis, in the beginning, man is driven out of the garden because of his sin and forbidden to eat of the tree. And in the end, in the book of Revelation, he is invited to come in and eat of the tree that he, man and woman, might live forever. We begin Genesis in a garden where there is a river. We end in a paradise in the book of Revelation where there is a river that flows from the throne of God. We find from beginning to end that this book is all about our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, one of the fundamental New Testament teachings is that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. 
So going back to verses, verse 105 in Psalm 119, we are told that God's word is both a lamp and a light. It is a lamp that guides us to the next steps that we are about to take, that we take as Christians. It is a light that guides us in the direction that we are to go. And of course, the psalmist is referring to how we should live our lives. God's word is a lamp and a light that shows us where we should go, but it also shows us where we'd better not go. Folks, in order for a lamp to be effective, it must first be turned on. And a light, in order to be effective, must be kind of tuned in and shown in the right direction. We have a choice, as our Old Testament lesson from Deuteronomy points out today, life or death, light or darkness. We can either go through life stumbling in darkness, or we can go through life walking in the light. The beautiful thing about the Bible is this, it is a light that never ever goes out. And it is a lamp that can never, ever be extinguished. You know, most of us, we can handle life when the conditions are good. But when it gets dark and the clouds and the rain and the thunder and the lightning begin to roll in, we need more than just the feeling in our guts. We need more than just the knowledge in our head. We need the light. We need the word of God to guide us. We need the Bible to guide us. The second reason we should study the Bible is so that we might grow as Christians. St. Peter said in his second chapter, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may thereby grow. We all know that if a child doesn't eat, his growth will be stunted. He will lose strength, he will become susceptible to disease and even death. Just as babies need physical milk to grow and to mature, we need spiritual milk to grow and to mature. Just as a baby goes from milk to solid food, so should we, or else we will remain spiritual babies. That's why St. Paul said to the Corinthians in our second reading today, I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not ready to receive it. And so we read the Bible to help us grow. Because you see, the Bible was not just written for information. The Bible was written for our transformation. And here's how that happens. When a child of God reads the word of God and sees the Son of God, he is transformed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. Let me say that one more time. When a child of God reads the word of God and sees the Son of God, he is transformed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. It is a tragedy to hold such a transforming book in our hands, but never receive the power into our hearts. Someone might say, but the reason I don't read the Bible is because I just don't understand it. And yes, I hear that a lot, and so do you. But the question is not whether God's word is readable. The question is whether God's word is read. I mean, think about it. An unread Bible is as useless as a car without gasoline or an electric battery. 
about as worthless as undiscovered treasures. You know, I heard about a man who owned a vineyard and his sons believed that their father who owned the vineyard was very wealthy, but since he was so secretive about it, they couldn't be sure. They were hoping that they would inherit his fortune when he passed away. Well, on his deathbed, he told his sons that the secret of his wealth was to be found in the vineyard. And after he died, the boys, they went out to the vineyard immediately. They began to dig, hoping to find the treasure that they believed was hidden under the vines. They toiled for months, being careful not to damage the vines. They dug over every inch of that vineyard. They pulled up every weed. They removed all the grass, but they discovered nothing. That next fall, that vineyard produced the finest crop of grapes in the history of that family. And it was then that they realized what that wise old father had done. He had forced them to stop loping around, waiting for the money to come in, and instead tricked them into cultivating the vineyard. The secret of his wealth was the vines, which when properly cared for, would make them very rich. We too have a vineyard that will produce unbelievable spiritual wealth, but we have to work at it. We have to dig through it. We have to get into it. You know, many of us are in the first grade of our spiritual growth and we need to go on to high school. And some of us are in high school and we need to go on to college. And some of us are in college and we need to go on to graduate school. And some of us are in graduate school and we need to start teaching others. That's why we need to read the Bible in order that we might grow individually and together. And finally, we study the Bible so that we might be guarded. And again, in Psalm 119, verse 110, the wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. The psalmist tells us here that if we will obey the word of God, we will not fall into the snares that the wicked have laid out for us. This world is full of traps for those who believe. Satan has landmines of sin laid out everywhere. And that's why we must not only see the light from the word of God, we must follow the light, the direction it takes us. Someone once said, read the Bible to be safe, believe it to be wise, practice it to be holy. In verse 133, the psalmist goes on to say, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity, let no wickedness, let no sin have dominion over me. If we allow God's word to direct our steps, no iniquity will have dominion over us for we will never be in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong person doing the wrong thing if we're walking in the light. So let me briefly share with you not only why we should read the Bible, but how we should study the Bible. First of all, we should study the Bible continuously. And we should read all of it, not just the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well. Because as St. Paul tells Timothy, 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Second, we study the Bible consistently. We study it daily because the study of the Bible helps to keep us from sin. But be aware because our sin can keep us from the Bible. Third, study the Bible confidently. The psalmist says in verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. We ought to read the Bible believing that God will speak to us and show us the truth and guide us in the right way. And finally, we should study the Bible conformingly. That is, we've got to obey what we learn and put what we learn into practice. God has given us the truth of his word in the form of the Bible. If we pour a soft heart and a surrendered life into that form, God will see to it that our hearts and our lives begin to take the shape of his word, of his truth. And God will see to it that we become more and more like him. Because, folks, there is no way in the world that you and I could ever do that on our own. It always depends on God. Now, let me say one last thing. There is one major difference between the Bible and every other book that's ever been written. In order to understand the Bible, we must know the author. This is not true of any other book. We can understand any other book we read without knowing the author, but we cannot understand the Bible if we don't know the author. What we've got to do is to get from the page to the person of whom all the pages are about. Remember when Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter 5, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, Jesus says. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. When we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through the pages of Holy Scripture, it is incredible the things that God will do in our lives. Read the Bible. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.